We are continuing our series, The Seven Last Words of Jesus, today. And what we've been doing in this series, when Jesus died on the cross, he made seven statements. And he made seven specific statements just about the cross and what it's about. And we've been walking through those in this series, unpacking them. And today we're going to look at actually the last statement Jesus makes on the cross. We're going to look at the last statement he makes right before he dies. And it's really directly connected with his death. And so we're going to be in John 19. And um, before we get to that, let me ask you guys a question real quick. Just raise your hand. Who here has ever started a task and not finished it? Okay, there's a couple of you who are not raising your hands. I do not believe you. Um, yeah, it's us. Everybody, we've all done that. We've all had a task or some job or some responsibility that we did not finish. Whether we just ran out of time, we had to give up, something else got in the way, we just quit. We've all done that. Uh, for me, for example, I'm really bad about starting books. I like to read a lot, but I end up, I'll start a book, then I'll start another one. Before I know it, I'm in the middle of like six books. And when you're in the middle of six books, you're really in the middle of nothing because you're never going to finish. You just have to put the rest of them down. Um, I've known people who are like, yeah, I want to learn an instrument. And so they, they're like, I want to learn to play guitar or drums or the violin. And they buy the instrument. Maybe they take a couple of lessons, but they don't go very far and they never really learn it. I've known people who started learning an instrument and it's still sitting in the box. They never even opened it. Um, and, you know, people with uh, do-it-yourself home projects. I've known people like, yeah, I'm going to paint my living room. I'm going to retile the bathroom. Six months later, they haven't used that bathroom because it's just a mess and they never finished. I mean, we all know this. You know, exercise is probably the big one that most of us know. Like, this is the year I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat right. And you haven't been to the gym in so long, you don't even know what gym you're a member of anymore. You know, like, it's just we all have done this. We all start tasks and don't finish. But on the flip side of that, I think finishing a task, particularly a hard task, is one of the most rewarding and really exhilarating parts of life. You know, when you commit yourself to something that's pretty difficult and you actually get it done, it's pretty awesome. Again, going back to the exercise thing, you know, if you can eat right and lose weight, it's a great thing. If you can actually learn that instrument. I've known people who they were like, you know what? And I think this is, ins I really do, like, I half admire this and I half think it's insane. But people who uh, decide to run a marathon, like, I'm kind of impressed and I'm like, there's something wrong with you. That is, why would you run 26 miles? But people, I've had friends who are like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And they, they, they run, they're, you know, their running gets farther and farther, and they manage to do it. So it's pretty incredible. You know, and, but finishing a task like that is cool. People who go back to school, they're like, you know, I need to get my degree. I need to get that master's or that certification. And they've got a job, and they've got kids, and they work during the day. They go to school at night. They juggle it all, but they get that degree. You know, one thing for me, this is really nothing to do with anything. I have been praying. I'm like, Lord, please. Like, and you can join this prayer with me. I'm like, Lord, please don't make me get a doctorate. That's a very common thing. United Methodist pastors, they keep getting more degrees. And I'm like, Jesus, I will do anything if I don't have to go back to school. Um, I know Anthony, the guy before me, he's getting his doctorate. And I'm like, Jesus, please don't make me be like Anthony in that way. I just beg you. But you can just join me in that prayer. But finishing a task is really, really cool. But it's human nature. Sometimes we finish tasks and sometimes we don't. That's just who we are. 
But what we want to talk about today is we're going to talk about a task that Jesus had that he did finish. And we're going to look at a task that Jesus was given from God the Father that he saw through to the end. And the thing with Jesus' task was it was a really hard task. And it was the hardest task any person's ever had to do and complete. And not only was it the hardest one, it's the most important task anybody's ever been given. And he saw it through to the end. And that's what we want to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 19. And I want to read you the scripture. It's printed in your bulletin, and it'll be up on the screen. This is John 19, 28 through 30. And it says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, this scripture we're reading today and we're looking at, God, we, uh, we are really treading on holy ground as we come to the foot of the cross today for the moment you died. And Lord, we just ask for your help, Lord, that you would give us insight, revelation, teachable hearts to look into your word today. And would you speak to all of us, Lord? For those of us who've heard the gospel message a million times, and for anybody here who's maybe never heard it before, God, would you speak it to all of us, fresh and anew? Lord, we thank you for the cross. So, Lord, we come to this holy ground with humble hearts and hungry hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this is Jesus' last statement on the cross. And I know in that scripture there was two of them. The first statement was, I am thirsty. We already did a sermon about that. And we're going to look at the phrase that Jesus says at the end when he says, it is finished. Now, throughout this series, as we've been looking at these scriptures and we've been looking at these statements, all of them take place while Jesus is dying on the cross. But the statement, it is finished, is the one that is right directly, intimately connected with Jesus' death. Because he says, it is finished, and then at that moment, he actually dies. All right, so this statement, it is finished, is directly connected with his death. And so because we read about the death of Jesus, we want to recount and look back at what led up to this point that led to Jesus' death. Just look back at that real quick. And so for Jesus, he has been arrested the night before he dies on the cross. He was with his disciples, and he's arrested. And he goes before the Jewish religious bodies. They're trying to convict him. They send him to Pilate to put him on trial. Pilate does not want to convict Jesus. He's like, look, this guy hasn't done anything wrong. I just let him go. But the crowds are just too unruly. So Pilate bows to political pressure, and he sentences Jesus to death. And just one thing to remember about Jesus. Um, there's never been a person who was more wrongly arrested and more wrongly judged and sentenced in history. I mean, if you ever want to think about an unjust trial, an unjust arrest, an unjust legal system, it was what happened to Jesus 2,000 years ago. But Pilate sentences Jesus to die. And so the Romans take kind of custody of him. And the Romans, they were really good at killing people, unfortunately. So what they do, they take Jesus. The first thing they do is they just beat him mercilessly. They beat him to a pulp. Um, the second thing they do, the Bible tells us they rip his beard out of his face. They spit on him. They mock him. And then what the Romans would do when they killed you is they would whip you 39 times. 
and the whips that they had had pieces of metal and sharp objects in them so that when you were whipped, it would just rip the flesh off your body. And Jesus was whipped 39 times. Now, the real catch is the Roman whip had three strands in it. So he was whipped 39 times, but it was really, you multiply that by three because it's three strands. He was whipped 117 times. So just kind of get this image. By the time they're done, Jesus is totally mutilated. He's probably unrecognizable. But they're not done. They put a crown of thorns on his head, and these thorns were about five inches thick, and they jam it into his skull. And so by the time Jesus is ready to go to the cross, he is just bloodied and totally unrecognizable. So they take him to the place where they're going to kill him, and they nail him to the cross. And they, when they would kill you, they would stretch you out, and they nail Jesus to the cross through his hands and through his feet. And then they lift the cross up, and they drop it in the ground. And the force of the drop and the weight of the cross was so strong, it would break every joint in your body. And then what you were supposed to do is just suffocate to death. And Jesus is on the cross, and just think about all that he went through, and he somehow manages to stay alive for six hours. I mean, you think about the physical state he was in. He was able to hold on for that long. It's pretty unbelievable. So that's the death Jesus died for you and me. And I don't tell you that to make you uncomfortable, make you squirm. I just think we owe it to Jesus to know what he went through for you and me and to know that that was the death that you and I actually deserved because of our sin. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. And all of that led up to Jesus finally saying, after six hours of being on the cross, he says, it is finished. And then he dies. And so now a real quick Greek lesson. We want to get back to the phrase, it is finished. The New Testament is originally written in Greek. That's the language it's written in. And the word that Jesus actually says, it's not really in Greek. He didn't actually say it is finished. It's just one word. And the Greek word is tetelestai. And it just means finished. So Jesus, just imagine it. He's been on the cross for six hours. He's bloody. He's unrecognizable. He somehow manages to take one last breath on the cross. And he says the words, finished. And then he dies. Now, it's interesting because I, I like to think about, and I'm just speculating when I say this. He says this word, and there was a large crowd of people who saw Jesus die. And I just wonder what they all thought. You know, they hear him say, finish. For example, the Roman soldiers who killed him. To, uh, to the Romans, Jesus was just another rebel, a revolutionary insurrectionist. Rome, the greatest empire the world had ever seen, was always dealing with uprisings and rebels. And they were always killing them and squashing them because nobody threatened the power and the glory of Rome. And so I just wonder if the Roman soldiers, they see this guy die and they hear him say finished. And I just wonder if they thought, okay, yeah, you are finished. We just killed you. Your movement's done. You're not going to threaten Rome. Good riddance. And the Pharisees were there. They were one of the Jewish religious bodies. And the Pharisees were the ones who kind of organized and pushed Jesus's death. And I just wonder when they heard Jesus say finished, I wonder what they thought. They probably were like, you know what? Good, you are dead. You're a false messiah, you're a blasphemer. Good, you are finished. And so is your, your following and the movement you were leading. And even the followers of Jesus were there. And they heard Jesus say finished. And I just wonder what they thought. Because for them, it was all over. Because the messiah in their minds was not supposed to die. And a messiah who died is no messiah. And so for them, they put all their hope and all of their just expectations in Jesus, and he was dead. And they probably thought, yeah, we're finished. 
We bet everything on this guy, and he just died a criminal's death. What were we thinking? And so I just wonder what everybody there thought when they heard the words finished. But here's my point. Everybody there, nobody understood what Jesus meant. Nobody there had a clue what he meant when he said finished. It just seems like a very unimportant, unimpressive word. But here's the thing. This is my opinion, but I think I'm possibly right. But I'll say this. I would say, while this seems like an unimportant word, that this is possibly the most important word ever said in human history. That when Jesus said finished, that this is the most important word ever said on earth. And the reason I say that is because when he said finished and he died, this is when the gospel happened. When he said this and he died, this is when the gospel came to be. Because he had died for the sins of the world. And if it's not the most important word ever said, I would say it's in the top three or four. Because at this moment, the gospel is now realized in its fullness by the death of Jesus. And because this is such an important word, it is finished or finished to tell us die. We want to understand what it means today. So the first thing I would say about this word, Jesus says finished. And what that tells us, what that implies is Jesus had a task to finish. He had a job to do. All right, he came to earth with a mission that God the Father sent him here to do something. Jesus says in John 17, 4, that I have completed the work God gave me to do. So what was Jesus' task? Why did he come? Here was Jesus' task. His task was to come to defeat sin and destroy its power and to end the horrible effects it has in you and I's life. That was Jesus' mission. It was come to defeat sin, to destroy its power, and to end the horrible effects it has in your life and mine. That was the task Jesus had. And that's what he finished on the cross. And the reason Jesus was given this task was because you have to go all the way back into Old Testament to Genesis. But in Genesis, when God created the world and he created humanity, there was no sin. And we had it made. It was perfect. God created the world. He created humanity. He created us in his image. And God made us without sin. And because there was no sin, we had a perfect relationship with God. We had full access to God the Father. There was no death in the world. There was no sickness. There was no baggage or bondage that we deal with. And we had perfect and full knowledge of God. I mean, the Bible tells us God would come and walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. How cool would that be to walk down Forsyth Road with Jesus? And that's what it was like. That's how God made the world. But humanity, we screwed it up. We rebelled against God, and we chose sin. We said, God, we're not going to do it your way. We're going to do it our way. We want to disobey rather than obey. We got this, God. We don't want to do it your way. And we rebelled, and we sinned against God. And when we did, everything was ruined because sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, all of a sudden, we didn't have this perfect relationship with God anymore. Death entered the world. Sickness entered the world. All the baggage and the things that we deal with, all the horrible effects in the world, the things in this world are because of sin. And we ruined creation, and Jesus' task was to come and fix that by dealing with sin once and for all. And that is the task that he finished. 
So that's kind of the big picture of why Jesus came. Now let me get a little more specific. Jesus came, like I said, to deal with the issue of sin. And there's really four main problems that came with sin when we rebelled against God. And I've already kind of touched on these, but let me just specify them. Number one, because of sin, every human being, me, you, everybody, because we are sinners and rebels against God, we all deserve wrath, death, and separation from God and hell. That's what every human being deserves because of our sin. And that was really the first problem Jesus had to come finish and fix so that not everyone would have to receive the wrath of God, death, and go to hell. That was the first problem sin caused that Jesus needed to finish. The second problem that sin caused that Jesus needed to come and fix and finish was the fact that we can be free from the bondage and the baggage that holds us and binds us. I mean, just think about your life. Think about the things that you deal with, that I deal with, that maybe some people know, maybe some people don't know. But sin doesn't just kill us spiritually in terms of heaven and hell, but sin riddles our lives each and every day. You know, for example, some people battle anxiety and fear. Other people struggle with depression and loneliness. Other people struggle with addiction. They struggle with greed, pornography, lying, anger, whatever it is. I've shared this with you guys before. You know, for me, I struggle with obsessive compulsive disorder. And that's a plague and a frustration in my life. And because of sin, we have those kinds of things in us, but God did not intend us to live that way. And Jesus needed to come and to finish that problem for us, the baggage and the bondage that we all deal with in day-to-day life. Now, the third thing that Jesus came to finish and fix was disease and sickness. All right, when God created the world, there was no sickness. God does not make people sick. You know why I know that? Because God is not sick. God doesn't make people sick. Sickness is a result of sin. And when God created the world, there was no sickness. And when we sin, sickness just exploded. We all know that. We've all been sick. Whether it's from common colds to things like brain aneurysms, we know that sickness is a part of our life. And Jesus needed to come and fix that problem to where his healing power can flow to us so that we don't have to be sick all the time. That's the third problem Jesus came to fix. And lastly, the fourth thing that Jesus needed to finish and fix was the fact that because of sin, we had this incomplete knowledge of God now. Because our sin separated us from him, we could not know God as we're called to. You know, John 17, 3, Jesus says eternal life is knowing God. And we are Christians because we want to know the Lord and know what he's like and have intimate relationship with him. But because of sin, there's, a, there's this barrier, there's this clouded knowledge we perceive in a mirror. But Jesus wanted us to be able to know him. Specifically, he wanted us to know how he felt about us and his affections and his love for us. But we couldn't know that because of sin. And so that's what Jesus, those are the four things Jesus really needed to come and fix because of sin. And so Jesus came and he goes to the cross. And Jesus died in our place. His blood was shed, his royal blood was shed for our forgiveness. And Jesus took the wrath and the punishment of God the Father that you and I deserve because all the sin of humanity is placed on Jesus and the punishment and the wrath that we deserve, Jesus took. And he died in our place on the cross. His body was broken so that we, everybody, might be saved, that everybody might be redeemed. And that's what Jesus did. And that is what he finished. 
when he died, he finished the problem of sin. So when Jesus died for us, in that moment he died, I want to go back to those four problems. I want to tell you how he fixed it. Again, the first problem was humanity. We deserve wrath, death, and hell. But because of Jesus, if we turn and repent, we can be saved. If we were repent and turn to Jesus, surrender our lives to him and live for him, we can have eternal life. That's what Jesus offers everybody. The second problem, the bondage and the baggage we face, Jesus came to set us free from that. Isaiah 61 talks about God comes to set the captives free. Paul, in um, one of his letters, talks about, you know, that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so that this, the, the effects of sin in our everyday life, that bondage and that baggage, we don't have to live with anymore, that God can and will set us free. Thirdly, with sickness, Jesus, when he died, the channel and the avenue for God's healing power to flow to us came. And so that when we're sick, we can ask God for healing. And that Jesus heals. This is just part of what he does. Okay, I mean, I just, you may or may not know this. I mean, Jesus just heals sickness. If you read the Bible, he opened the eyes of the blind. He made deaf people hear. Lame people walk. Mute people speak. This is what Jesus does. He gets rid of cancer. He heals brain aneurysms. Um, I know stories. I've never witnessed this, but I know people who, like, they have seen legs grow back because Jesus grew somebody's leg back who didn't have one. Um, I used to have really bad asthma, and I got prayed for to be healed, and God healed me. I'm just telling you, Jesus heals people. This is part of what he does. You read the Gospels. He healed people all the time, and this is just supposed to be a normal part of our lives and of church. And lastly, because of the cross, we can know the love of Jesus and the knowledge of God. You know, one thing for me, it's so important to understand how much God loves you and how God feels about you. It's really the most important thing. I mean, I'll, I'll say this for me just as a pastor, just a personal thing. However long I work at this church, my number one desire for you is that because I was here, or really because in spite of me, even though I was here, God would let you know how he feels about you. That you would know that God is so in love with you and that he likes you. I mean, if you knew how much God loved you, you would never doubt him again. You really wouldn't. And if you knew the passion that God feels for you, even on your worst day, you would never doubt him again. And you would never be worried and you would never be fearful. You know, the Bible tells us that God's love is better than life. And we need to know how God feels about us. And now because of the cross, we can. And so, again, those are the four problems that humanity faced because of sin. And when Jesus said, it is finished, and he died, the channel was open for us to receive those things. But that's the thing, though. It does, it's not automatically given to us. Jesus did his part on the cross, but we still want to receive that. And so the way we do that is we need to come to Jesus and just say, Lord, I need this from you. And that's how we receive it. It's not automatically given, but we come to Jesus in humility and as his kids and say, God, I need this from you. And he gives it because God is unbelievably generous and he lavishes good gifts on his children. And here's the thing. The reason we're talking about this today is because I really think the Lord wants to release and give us these things today. You know, some of you here, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not a Jesus follower, and you need to really receive God's salvation that he offers because of the cross. 
Others of you here, maybe you struggle with bondage and baggage, and you're like, you know, I just, I'm plagued by this. I can't get over it. I can't get free. There's this giant in my life, and God wants to help set you free from that. Others of you, maybe you need to be healed. Maybe you need to receive God's healing, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. You need healing from the Lord. And it might just be for some of you, you just need a fresh revelation of how God feels about you. And you need to know how much he loves you and he likes you. And so what we want to do today is we want to come to the Lord and just ask him for these things, whatever you might need in your life. You know, as we wrap up this series and as we finish this sermon today, we've been talking about the cross for the past six weeks, and it's been really good, and it's important to talk and teach on the cross. But more than just teaching about the cross, we really need to experience the cross. Like, it's great to talk about the cross, and it's important, but the point of the cross of Jesus is to experience it. And so we want to take some time today, and we're going to have just a time of prayer, and we're just going to ask the Lord to release these four problems that he finished, the solutions that he finished. We're just going to ask him to release that in our lives for those of you who need it, because we want to experience the cross today. It's not just supposed to be taught and heard. It's supposed to be experienced. And so that's what we're going to do. So in just a second, we're going to have a time of prayer, and I'm just going to lead this time, and I'm going to pray up here from the stage. And for those of you who just need any one of these four things, I just encourage you to come before the Lord and just say, God, I'm here. And I need you to give it to me. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, it's in Mark uh, chapter 10. It's about this guy named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was a blind guy. And he heard Jesus was walking by one day. And Bartimaeus just sat on the side of the road. And he heard Jesus was walking by. And he starts to scream Jesus' name because he wants Jesus to notice him. And Jesus comes up to him and he says, and I love this question. He just says, what do you want? And Bartimaeus says, I want to see. And Jesus says, cool. And he heals him. And I just think kind of in that spirit, we come to the Lord and he is saying to us, what do you want? And for those of you in this room, any of those four things we talked about, I think the Lord wants to release that and give that to you today. And we just want to give God a chance to move. And we want to experience the cross. So in just a second, um, we're going to have a closing song after I pray. The band's going to come up. And so what we're going to do right now is, in just a second, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up, and we're going to pray. Um, one second. Some of you started to jump up. Love your eagerness. Love it. Um, but we're going to pray. And the reason I'm going to ask everybody to stand up is, I know not everybody here necessarily needs any one of these four things, and that's cool. But we want to stand up so we don't know who needs it. It looks like everybody needs this stuff because we just want to make people comfortable, if that makes sense. So... But I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and we're going to go through those four things. And if any one of these things you need, just ask the Lord for it. That's what we want to do. So I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. I'm going to invite you guys to stand up as well. Everybody would, if you would, stand up. And I'm going to lead us through this. We're just going to pray through these four things. So let me say a couple of things real quick. Number one, to anybody in here who maybe you don't know the Lord and you're not a Christian, you can turn to Jesus, and today can be the greatest day of your life. To those of you who struggle with bondage and baggage, things you just can't seem to get free of, um, we're going to pray for you, and God's going to do something. And I believe he might set you totally free, but you might still have to deal with it. And that's okay. You didn't do anything wrong, but we're going to move. Freedom oftentimes is a process with the Lord. I can tell you 
because I struggle with obsessive compulsive. I am not free of it. I'm a lot better than I used to be. And it's through times of prayer that God has moved me forward. For those of you who are sick, we're going to pray for you that God's going to heal you. Sometimes God heals completely at one time. Sometimes you have to pray multiple times. All right? But just wherever you are, trust that God wants to heal you. And lastly, for those of you who need to know how Jesus feels about you, I would really encourage you, one, this prayer time to receive it, but also, you know, go to your Bible and study verses on what God says about you, how he feels about you. You know, one of my favorite verses is in John. It says that God the Father loves us as much as he loves Jesus. That's a really good verse to study and meditate on and claim for yourself. So just know that we're going to pray and there's an ongoing process with all of these things going on from here. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you guys, this might be a little stretching for you. That's okay. If everybody would, if you'll just put your hands out like this, just in a posture of receiving, and I'm going to pray. That way, again, if everybody does it, we don't know who's asking for prayer, and people are a little more cool with that. All right, let's pray. Lord, we come before you now, and God, we thank you for the cross. Lord, we thank you, God, that we live on the right side of the cross. Lord, where we come to you, and you make it real. And God, that we can walk and experience the power of the cross and your finished work. And Lord, we thank you for that, God, that you give good gifts to your children, and Lord, that you lavishly, God, every good and perfect gift comes down to us from this Father of lights in who there is no shadow of turning. So Lord, right now, I just pray for every person in this room, if you're somebody you don't know Jesus, and you just feel this stirring and this nudging to turn to him, I just want to lead you in a quick prayer. Just pray this in your heart, just to pray, Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, and I turn to you for my salvation and my forgiveness, and I want to live for you. And Lord, I pray you would seal that in their hearts, God, that your salvation and redemption would be known to those today in this room who don't know you. For those of you who struggle with bondage and baggage, I just speak forth the freedom of Christ, the freedom that he offers, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And God, I break every chain, every pitfall, every snare in our life that hinders us and holds us back. God, that your name and your blood and your power would break those. God, that those chains would fall off. God, the things that bind us up and hold us back day after day, the things that plague us, the things that hurt us, Lord. God, would you begin and would you continue to bring your life into freedom, Lord, that we would walk in the freedom you give. And Lord, for every disease and sickness in this room, I just speak forth your healing. God, you are the Lord, our healer. God, you came to destroy the works of the devil. And Lord, the healing power we see in the gospel to open the eyes of the blind, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. I just pray it would flow in this room and heal every person who needs healing. By your blood, by your stripes, we're healed. And lastly, Father, I pray for a fresh, deep revelation of your heart and affection for every person in this room. God, that we would know how you see us, how you feel about us, Lord, that we would know that you love us more than we could ever know and you like us more than we could ever know. And God, that we would know that you're a happy person, that you're not some angry God, that you are unbelievably happy and that we make you happy. So Lord, I just pray you would seal and do all of these things in our hearts and in our lives. God, would we leave here differently today because of what you finished. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.